Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, Episode 55, in which Joe Shantz and I interview our old friend Eric V. Cisco. But first, I'd like to introduce another new segment called BT's Blog, in which For some of you, I introduced the concept that I have a blog. Others of you may have noticed, but thought, gee, he hasn't posted on here in a while. There are others of you, though, who really ought to read it. As you may know, there are certain names that I out on this podcast. Sometimes that's to protect the innocent. Sometimes that's to protect the innocent who happen to have the same name as the person I'm bleeping out because it's their son. While at the same time, in that particular case, also being because I don't want to send him any web traffic. Any press is good press, right? Anyway, for today, I'd like to go through some questions people sent me and my responses. Just this morning, Kenjura from Uganda asks, Are you Christian? With multiple question marks. Here is my response. Many Christians say, I am a Christian and therefore I am not a Buddhist. But I am a Christian and I am a Buddhist. And much of Hindu spiritual philosophy makes a great deal of sense to me as well. When you get into the deeper meaning behind Christianity, it lines up very well with these other paradigms. But when it comes to men shouting at pulpits, they always want the same thing. Control money, power. They want their parishioners to be afraid. Afraid that if they go anywhere else, they're going to go to hell. To me, that kind of Christianity is pure evil. So, my answer to your question is yes. But you might interpret it as no. Next, Carol says, Anna told me about your tarot prowess, so I'm reaching out to connect. I'm early on the tarot path. By the way, I like your page, The Esoteric Nerd. I like that. It leads me to a question. I was wondering if you have any thoughts on a particular organization. I recently reached out to the Esoteric Order of the... I recommend avoiding that organization. I was a member for 18 and a half years. The temples listed on the page as being a part of that order are not a part of that order. It is a deception. Most of those temples left in 2011 and became known as the Collegium Ad Spiritum Sanctum. The California temple held out for nine additional months, and when they left, they became the Order of the Golden Dawn Universum. For more about that, I recommend my blog, fraterfrancesco.blogspot.com. See December 2011, a post called Oh, happy day. There's a link within that post to further information in which you will find out the following. 1. Voldemort has taken thousands of dollars from initiates and adepti in return for promised products and services that he did not deliver on nor refund. His poor business practices continue to afflict many initiates and adepti, and in spite of his promises of reform, he has shown no signs of changing or even slowing down. 2. 
Voldemort has used the forums, materials, and the name of the esoteric order of the Golden Dawn in connection with his personal products and services against the will of the Second Order and has refused to stop doing so. The result has been that the public and our own initiates perceive that our order endorses his products and services. Let it be clear that we do not endorse his products and services, nor do we approve of them at all. Three, Voldemort has created and uses several blogs and forums that he has connected with the order's name to make personal attacks on other members of the Golden Dawn community, especially but not limited to David Griffin. Let it be understood that although David Griffin's order and ours operate under very different philosophies and interpretations of the Golden Dawn tradition, we do not condone these attacks by Voldemort and they do not reflect the attitudes of the Adepti of our Second Order. 4. Voldemort has abused his position of influence along with his well-studied knowledge of techniques such as neuro-linguistic programming and psychological manipulation to endear a substantial number of Outer Order initiates to his personal unpaid servitude. We find this practice cultish, detestable, and in no way a reflection of the true principles and practices of the Golden Dawn tradition. 5. Voldemort threatened and in several cases has admitted to performing magic intended to cause harm upon several initiates and adepti when they attempted to hold him accountable for his poor business transactions and mistreatment of members of our order and their non-initiate families. As a result of the above points, Voldemort has sullied the spiritual and magical development of a great many initiates of our order. In addition, he has caused great and in many cases irreparable damage to our order's reputation and to the reputation of the Golden Dawn tradition as a whole in the eyes of the public. It goes on to state that they're expelling Voldemort from the esoteric order of the Golden Dawn, but the important point about this post is that it didn't work, and he is still alone over there with his esoteric order of the Golden Dawn website collecting people's credit card information. By the way, those points about what he did were agreed upon by all 28 adepts at the time, including the five who did not leave him at the time that it was written. The author of the blog post was polite enough not to mention that he also tricked everyone in the order at one point into drinking his cum. Our guest tonight has been a student of the Western mystery tradition for over 25 years. After a scenic tour through the multitudinous Golden Dawn Orders, he found his home as an adept of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He is also a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason, a Knight Templar in the York Rite, and an Adeptus Exemptus in the SRICF and he can be found blogging over at Apotheosis. But first, let's bring in our co-host, Joe Shantz. In the divine name I hail, I invoke thee. Well, I was in a food line. You, I just sort of teleported here in this triangle. Mm. Oh, oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hi, are, are you hungry? Well, I, you know, you did have, you do have some snacks in front of me with, um, that's true. You know, in, in this triangle. So I, at least I, you have, made to, it big I have to stay in the circle, but I can kind of reach across to the triangle of manifestation and kind of spoon it into the mirror if you'd like. Okay. Oh, well, who are we kidding? We're in a big radio studio. 
I'm over here in my booth, and you're over there in your booth. And uh, let's see, our guest is out in the green room still. I believe he can hear us. Um, well, I, I suppose, should we, should we get to it? Yeah, let's bring him in. All right. Let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings, Fredder. Welcome to the Esoteri Nerd Podcast. Avete et vh fratres. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Doing well. You know, I'm I'm sitting here in Madison, Wisconsin, looking out the window, watching a few uh, snowflakes fall gently to the ground, and thinking, "Yep, I am literally chilling in the big cheesy." Nice. There you go. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, Bernie won Wisconsin a couple days ago. Yeah, quite handily too. Yeah, yeah. I made a song about it. I'll play it at the end of the episode. Awesome. <laughs> Wait, was it specifically that he that that Bernie won Wisconsin, or just about Bernie? Well, it was uh, his victory speech um, in Wisconsin the day before last. I, I was very inspired, and so I just sort of laid down a track and made it musical. Right on. Yeah. So, um, how have you been since the last time I saw you? That was what two thousand two. One? Oh my God, has it been that long? <laughs> I think it's been that time. long. Oh jeez. Um, Me too. Then, then that would be the the time that, that I last saw you too. Oh, yeah, maybe two thousand two. I think it's two- India was two thousand two, wasn't it? Oh, I can't. I, I blocked kind of that whole like dates and stuff. I just don't think about that. Yeah, time <laughs> I, I I think about my life in terms of those events, and I have yeah. to figure out what the years are based on that. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think it was, uh, I think it was 2002. Um, yeah, I, I think we've all lived several lifetimes since then. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, I mean, we we all we all met in the uh, in uh, the EOGD, which was known, which was known as Hamzi at the time. Yeah, it's gone through a few name changes. It's currently <laughs> on there as the EOGD, the the one mentioned in the intro to this. E L Q R N F, and then it was F T R N. Good lord. It was the Hermetic Order of the Morning Star International at one point. Right. Or incorporated. I don't know. They were going back and forth. Wait, weren't they the circle? Was it called like something like the Circle of Light? Originally. Or something? Okay. The Eternal Circle of Light. Uh, Eternal when it was, Circle When it was light. four people on a Ouija board. Yeah. You know, I think it, they, they should have kept that name. I think that that would have been a lot better. Cause yeah. I think that, the Ouija know, board, that, you know, that was when the Third Order came in and said, you're destined to be- rebuild the Golden Dawn and, and assure the Empire of Light and start putting flyers out and all that stuff. Woohoo. Yeah, so, or something. Yeah, you know, though it's it's so funny. I think with all these different interpretations of of the Golden Dawn, I it's almost sad that that name is used because you know, on one hand, yeah, they're doing this Golden Dawn flavor of things, um, but you know, and and you guys will probably kill me because you probably have your own ideas about this, but I kind of think that the whole oh well, we've been you know specially anointed, or we have the true lineage, or or whoever it is, or. You know, like, and Amwork is doing that right now, which is crazy. Right. But it's kind of like, you know, why can't you just do your own thing and have your own interpretation and just let that be good and and, and celebrate that? Yeah. See, that, that is one of those things I, I flag specifically in uh, some of the stuff I've been writing uh, in my Esoteric Order Survival Guide. You know, anyone that uh, declares themselves either the anointed or having the, uh, the, the lineage back to uh, antiquity and beyond – you know, you, you have to apply, um, you know, the Carl Sagan litmus test to that, which is 
Um, exceptional claims require ex- exceptional proof. You know, I love that too because I so I when I lived in um, in San Francisco, I actually found um, this guy who who was more in the druidic uh, um, tradition, which which I really liked, and I was just trying to learn a little bit more about the group and what he did. And and he he was really specifically about like you know lineage and that his you know he can trace it back to God knows when. And and I wasn't that impressed with it because I'd kind of gone through that 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 already. But his group, it was so sad because it was really, it was seriously, there were some broken people there and some people with, um, and I don't don't say this lightly and this, this is no slag, but like pe- there were a couple of people there who really had some mental health challenges and he was invoking stuff without any sort of like circle created or any kind of protection. I'm just like, you know, lineage or not, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be part of them because I, I just feel like, you know, it's not. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. What what I've personally found is, um, you know, when it comes to um, lineage, and and you're talking about you know direct handing down of uh, papers, and this guy knows this guy who knows this guy, um, really doesn't amount to, to a whole lot. You know, you have, yeah. you know, you you have those who can really connect to the to the uh, egregore of the tradition and really and really bring it in, in the temple and you know th- there there are there's one particular organization out out there um that that I, I will not uh, I will not specifically mention uh David that has sorry, sorry. Th- <laughs> a little cough I got going yeah. I'll, I'll edit that out I'm sure um that that are um that actually have a uh, direct lineal uh, descendants from, I believe it's uh, Waits Holy Order of the Golden Dawn. But if is that you, the one in France? Uh, no, I don't know exactly where where they're uh, they're out out of. Huh. I, I think I think they're American based. They're they're not very well known. Um, the only but, Holy Order of the Golden Dawn I know of is Zach up in Canada. Right, and that's that's not the one. Oh, okay. Um, mm. But but if if you go to their their uh, their their website and uh, you know they they call themselves a Golden Dawn Order. Oh, okay, it's not the one I was coughing. Uh, no, no, ignore no. that, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a different tickle in the throat, I have to say. Um, should we should we make up names? We should have a so we can say, you know, pigtails or oh, um, <laughs> yeah, th- th- this one is de- definitely more more of a footnote. Um, oh, okay. Um, so nothing but, big like Voldemort. No, 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 no. This is different. Um, if you if you go to their 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 website and they start they start giving you the information that they have in their zero zero grade, they start talking about, well, this is how you would do uh, a lesser bashing ritual of the pentagram, but you don't have to do it this way. You could do it whatever way you want. And here are the signs. Here are the planets. And oh, by the way, uh, each you know, each of the uh, zodiacal signs is ruled by a different planet, including the outer planets and the quote-unquote esoteric plant planets like Vulcan hmm. and Atlantis. Right. And, uh, you know, it, you know. So it's untraditional. It, yeah. Insert face palm here. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, but but the but what this what this says is um, lineage and tradition don't necessarily go hand in hand. Right. Yeah, love that. That's a good point. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of examples of that you could point to. But, but although I got to tell you, I would be surprised by that if you think about that. Um, so if you think about weight and like ever, like if you start to read some of the, the, the history stuff uh, in, in the Golden Dawn, he was, and, or read his writing, he was kind of a douchebag. Um, uh. <laughs> and and I got to tell you, like, I, I, like having someone who's kind of like, yeah, you can kind of like do it this way or that way or kind of like spin around and do your LBRP. You know, that seems so like far removed from like Wade's actual writing, which I think is really I think it's kind of funny. I hope he's like, you know, up, you know, wherever he is sort of like just pained by the whole thing <laughs> continually. Maybe you guys can clarify something for me because I yeah, I think you guys are more well-read and more understood about the actual Golden Dawn, where I'm a specialist in one particular, you know, twisted uh, deformation of it. Um, yeah, yeah, Brian Dahl had a lyric in his song, The Temple, where he says, Eight, you wait, came on too strong. Christian thought just don't belong. I was thinking, it was A.E. Waite uh, going, coming on strong with the Christian thought, or was he coming on too strong saying Christian thought just don't belong? I, I, and I asked Brian Dahl, and he ignored me. Um, yeah, um, Waite did a lot to um, to Christianize his okay. flavor of So the, that was Brian Dahl inserting right. his point of view that A.E. Waite was bringing in too much Christianity. Right. Okay. Uh, I'll put in that uh, that clip so people can hear it too. Okay. Well, cut, you know, and it, and I think it kind of makes sense for some people, and I think that that's where, um, like, you can see how people got there in um in sort of the early Golden Dawn because a lot of the the, the thought about the um the Egyptology was coming from Budge, and Budge was kind of in that time, um, and so there there wasn't a lot of of other really scholarly work that was being done that really thought about. Egyptology from from a magical point of view, and fortunately now you actually have some really good scholarly work that provides different perspectives right. on initiation and Egyptology and what they were really trying to do. Um, but Budge was was very much a Christian, and he really kind of, I think, helped to fuel that fire of of like how the Golden Dawn at that time, in particular, was kind of thinking about um, Egypt, Egypt Egyptian work, you know, with Christianity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was pointing out in the previous episode that the Eucharist at the end of the neophyte could be seen as the Christian co-opting of the four elements of paganism, where we have the rose referencing the rose cross for the for the suffering of my sigh. Uh, crucifixion, anyone? And then we have the, you know, I mean, it's a, each one is kind of a not-so-veiled reference to Christianity. Yeah, well, yeah I, and... Oh, go ahead. I, I completely agree. Um, that's one one of the things I really liked about your your answer about are you Christian, Ed? Mm-hmm. Now now that when I when I go to um, uh, pagan gatherings and they ask me, you know, you know, what am I? I do say that I'm Christian, but I also add that Christianity is a lot more pagan than people would like to lead you to believe. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, but open. You know, inclusive, inclusive Christian. 
I right. mean, you, you, what's odd is that I feel like I probably have more in common with someone who's from the Temple of Set than I do someone who's, you know, a traditional Bible banger, which right. is really weird. <laughs> yeah. Not weird at all. I'm, I'm completely with you there. Well, and there's people who bang the book of the law, too. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say it, like, I think, you know, I think that my time in the OSOGD in particular really softened my view towards um, Crowley. So I, I, I'm good with him. Um, but yeah, the people who are like really the didactic, like, I'm, you know, didactic and like, this is the book of the law. And I, you know, people quoting like scripture out of it, right. like that turns me off just as much as people who do it from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it I might be that... a phase someone might need to go through because their dad was a preacher or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I personally find that fundament fundamentalism has no place in, in the occult or the esoteric world at all. Here, 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 here. Hmm. Yeah. It, it'll be nice to see that in the history books instead of on the news. No kidding. Yeah. So what other, um, you, you, you had been in, of course, the one that we were from, which we probably don't need to talk all that much about unless there's any fond memories you want to share since I kind of covered that in the intro. Um, but what other orders can you tell us the pros and cons of? Well, um, I have uh, carefully placed a securitous route through the, uh, what I refer to as the, is the, is the big three Mm -hmm. uh, Golden Dawn orders out there. A after I had um, left the the one in which we we all met, and yes, I have some fantastically fond memories of of that and of you guys. As do uh, I. I have a yeah. photo. I I took that photo down because it occurred to me that I didn't ask for permission to post it, and you know, there's facial recognition software now, so right. I, I, I'm pretty sure that he still wants to kind of like remain outside of the spotlight. Yeah, understandably so. Yeah, yeah but it's a nice memory. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, you know. After that, um, I we we I had uh, met up with um, again another old friend who who we all know who has now passed beyond the veil. May his uh, soul rest more peacefully than it did in, on this earth. And uh, he escorted me to um, to the AO with with um, uh, the the leader being DG. Um, Let's see. Good, uh, good n name for him to keep him in oh, right. um, um, uh, Demented Gargamel, maybe. Um, <laughs> Gargamel. Yeah. Oh, Gargamel. Okay, I'm going to stop okay. referring to him by his name. Okay, Gar Gargamel. It is. Um, David Griffin, yeah. I'm going to stop referring to you by your name. You are now Gargamel. Okay, go on. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, spent three years there. Um, I, I did have a, a good experience there with, uh, you know, mostly the folks that I, I worked most closely with. Um, you know, I, I, I did have a lot of interaction with, uh, with Gargamel over the phone. Mm -hmm. um, he seems nice. Yeah, he, you know, when, when you first meet him, he, he is a very affable, sweet type of guy. Yeah. And, and, and Voldemort is as well. Like, the, you know, when you, right. when you that's meet true. him, you know. That's true. And, th and that's so kind of. serial killers, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I often refer to uh, Voldemort and Gargamel as two sides of the same toxic coin, but uh, but I'll digress there. Yeah. Um, Both I did Trump supporters, it turns. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so three years there, um, I actually had the the honor of going to Paris for my for my five six. There, I got nope. to. Uh, okay, so that's how cool. Pretty cool. 
that's just pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that's universally cool. You, they, that's that's really huge esoteric nerd points right there. You went yeah, to your five that, equals six in Paris. Yes. Did you also go to the Arc de Triomphe and the Louvre like on the same trip? No, no. Oh, I, okay, I spent okay. I spent all the time in the back roads in the bazaars. That's cool. In, in the, that's uh, even you know, cooler. Like actually, yeah. Like I, I, I got, oh, you went to got, Paris? Did you see this? No, no, just a warehouse. That's like when I'd go to Chicago and people would say, "Oh, did you do?" That? I'd be like, "I have no idea what you're talking about. I was just in a little <laughs> warehouse yeah. in Joliet." Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I was spending most of the times in in the in the suburbs in in uh, near the Bois de Boulogne and the Boulogne Biencourt. Um, going to to the uh, the the back alley bazaars, it was really very very cool. I got a chance cool. to see it from the from a dater's perspective. Nice. That's nice. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, what was made, shortly afterwards made uh, cancellarious of the order, and uh, that's that's when things kind of started falling apart, and I okay. started learning. So we're still talking about Gargamel's order. Yeah, still talking about Gargamel. Okay. Well, you know, and, that's kind of a point in his favor, just to know that there's a vault in Paris involved. Yeah, but uh, they are now uh, separated from. Ah. The- do they have so, a separate name or site or anything? Uh, no, they they pretty much they've gone underground. Things, they've gone underground. Okay. Yeah. Well, still, it's nice to know they exist. Yes, yes, and 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 they are very good people. If there, you're I, out I, there and you'd like to be on the Esoteric Nerd podcast, je parle français très bien, uh, très bien, <laughs> and so does Joe. So yeah, bien. Way. Anyway, anyway, go <laughs> on. So, so Mark, I'm really curious. I'm curious, like, so. I would kind of think that, um, you know, if you're going to find the shit around, like, whatever group that you're in, you're going to find it from the, like, being in in the Tahuti form a lot. Did you, did you have those forms? Did you, like, was Cancelarius also Tahuti in in your group as well? Oh, yeah. 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 You know, all the, all the traditional uh, GD attributions applied. And it was it was only it was only then when uh, things started to make themselves uh, very apparent the uh, you know the uh, a number of things that were in the shadows were were coming to light, and it it wasn't much longer after that where I said you know I I, I could no longer uh, abide by what was what was going on, you know in 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 the uh, you know at the top. So well, they were uh, what kind was of abusive to your wife, weren't they? Oh wow! Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, part yeah, that, of the, that right there's the, enough. Yeah, part part of it. What was happening was rude to was, Janie. I should have left back then. But. Yeah, um, and um, this kind of goes back to the days of the uh, of of the the Golden Dawn lawsuit. Um, Ninety five. Yeah, like back back okay. in '95. By the way, I just got I just broke out in highs remembering that. <sighs> yeah, I, I know it, it's uh, it, it's it's something to to, to shudder at. Um, but you know, be, being involved with all that when you had Gargamel and his free lawyer. Um, oh, the later copyright stuff. Right. Yeah, the later stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there there was a point in time where. Um, the, the 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 tactics changed from winning a lawsuit to making the other party destitute. Right. And uh, you know we're sitting here, and you know Gargamel is 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 calling and getting my wife on on the line, saying, "Look, I'm I'm a, I'm a seven four, and you just don't understand what I have to what I have to deal with and what I have to go through because I am so high and exalted." And I'm sitting here thinking. 
wait, wait a minute. You are claiming the the grade of the Sephirah of Chesed, mm. and you cannot find a morsel of loving kindness for your enemies. That's not just Chesed. That's not even Rosicrucian. Mm. And that that was one of the one of the very many beginnings of the end there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. After, after well, I'm, I'm curious if there's anything you feel comfortable revealing. You said you'd heard a few things had come to light. I'm, I'm I, you know, I mean, because I only heard things from Voldemort, so I just assume that it's all untrue. Um, but uh-huh. if there's actually, because when people say, well, what, what's wrong with uh, Gargamel? And I'm always like, well, I don't know. I mean, honestly, the, all, I, all I know is he was sending some attack Enochian stuff to my mom and I back in 95 because we refused to change the name of the L.A. Sanctuary to Morning Star when ISIS did. Um, but, I mean, you know, that was a long time ago. And uh, I don't know. In retrospect, it might have been uh, it might have been Voldemort pretending to be uh, Gargamel. So I, yeah. I don't even know that he did that for sure. So Yeah, I, I, I think it is safe to say that, uh, you know, uh, Voldemort was uh, was ginning up a bunch of stories. Right. I, I, you know, we never went so far and, and were never directed to do any sort of uh, magical attacks whatsoever. That's cool. Oh, uh, really? Well, yeah. He's a better guy than Voldemort was. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, you know, his tactics are more along the lines of anonymous sock puppets on the Internet. No, uh, yeah. that's punching. light stuff. Yeah, you guys uh, remember that... LMS? <laughs> uh, yeah, more hives. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Okay, for for, for the audience, uh, you know, welcome oh, right. to uh, welcome to the Golden Dawn Anonymous. Uh, My name is Eric V. Cisco, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, former sock I, I'm, puppet. I'm, I'm still doing the Golden Dawn. Yeah. Hi, Eric. Hi, Hi Eric. <laughs> At least I'm open about all my sock puppets now. Yeah. Like, this is my sock puppet, Pymander. This is my sock puppet, Gwydion, where back then it was serious. Yeah. Do, do either of you guys remember the uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Prawn back in the day? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that oh, a God. Yahoo group? Yep, yep. You know, I, Actually, my favorite, my favorite person out there uh, was Alien Munoz. Oh, God, yeah. And I gotta tell <laughs> I you, had him on and the I gotta podcast. tell you, yeah. I learned, I I actually met the person, um, and I'm totally sworn to secrecy, but I was laughing so hard. We had, we had a, we had a beer together and it was, it was hysterical, but, um, I, I can tell you random things about him, but I can't reveal his, his true identity. Oh, uh, for example? He's, well, he's super fun to party with and he knows his stuff. That's all I'm going to say. That's true. Yeah. Unless you ask more specifics. <laughs> but he was, he was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, m- most most of most of the shenanigans there were very very non-magical. It was, you know, basically, you know, the these, you know, sock puppets and, you know, making sure that you're saving face on the internet and yeah. keeping a good public face. Yeah, Fox News stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, the they're I started referring to them as as the neocon golden dawn yeah. and I, my 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 opinion really hasn't changed about that. So, but there's a happy ending to this story, right? Yeah, there, there, there definitely is. But we um, haven't gotten there yet. There's a few more. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're still moving along, just <laughs> like my, my entire spiritual life. Um, 
you know, after after that, I spent um, I spent a little bit of time, um, you know, running my own Golden Dawn order. It was called the Ordo Ignis Arcani. Ooh. And um, yeah, we we still I still have my my old um, my old gray materials out there that 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 I, I wrote up and. Um, that sounds th- cool. I have to check that out. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to share that with you sometime. Um, but really, the 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 benefit of all that was what I call occult detox. You know, yeah. you know, this was the opportunity for us to just get away from from the uh, from the groups, get away from the shenanigans. That's what this podcast is all about. Right. And just chill out. Yeah. And get some perspective and and just be safe with, with a small group of people. Yeah. And it was shortly after that that uh, I got I uh, connected up with uh, with Chicken Tabby. Oh, by the way, um, happy birthday, Chick! Happy birthday! Oh, happy birthday, Chick! That was yesterday, right? That was that was yet that was uh, either yes, yesterday or the day before. Oh, and on the fourth, the author of the beautiful tarot deck that never was that we've all had had memories of. I'm sure it was her birthday. Oh. <laughs> and, and by the way. There are at least eight half owners of that tarot deck oh out there God. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it is so beautiful. Is I wish gorgeous. I had. I wish I had some way. I mean, I wish I was one of those holders so that I would feel comfortable using those on my, you know, podcast and whatever. I just I'm. I, I haven't talked to her in so long. I don't know if we're getting along. I think she just wants to leave the whole thing behind. I think like in her mind, I'm associated with Voldemort. So it's like you know, you run into that. Where it's like, oh well, I don't want to talk yeah, to you. you. Remind me, you know, I, it, like, she's, yeah. I, I think that that it it just wasn't really. I think that she was really trapped in a lot of ways yeah. by that group in ways that we never were. Even though we probably felt that at certain times, I think that there are certain people that are just coerced beyond. Like, and and I'm sure she really resented that. Yeah. Um, but happy birthday to her. Happy birthday! Awesome. We love you. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Okay. So chicken tabby. Yeah, so um, I, I got to know uh, got to know Chicken Tabby. I've been down there several times, and I've been with them. It will be ten years next. Wow! Month. Congratulations! Thank you. It, it is so nice to associate with uh, with the Chiefs of the Order that are like real people and sane, and they're 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 very down to earth. You know, they're, they're so approachable. What, but what do you think that is? Like, I, I've never met um, an order chief who really had that kind of like groundedness and sanity. Like, what what makes them that way? Like, wh- were they always that way? Were they just like just down to earth people that just kind of took that on, or what makes them that way? I I, th- I think that is that's the case. You know, they, they've always been a little bit that way. I think they've seen. They've seen a lot of a lot of things in in their thirty plus years of, of doing this, and it's given them a lot of perspective. And um, I think another thing is that they've actually done the work. You know, they've been through the system. They continue to practice it, and it it, uh, it doesn't. You know, when you're doing it right. You don't get that hyperinflated ego that you know uh, runs away with you, and um, they understand. You know, they both they both met Regardi, and yeah, I was thinking they probably gleamed a lot from his experience, right? Because he and, was dealing with Crowley. I mean, talk about digesting these ideas, 
Right. And, and um, even Rigardi was was a very, uh, you know, approachable fellow. You know, you, you, you wouldn't uh, he wouldn't accept being called, you know, Mr. Rigardi or Dr. Rigardi. It's like, you know, well, fuck that shit. I'm Francis. And, um, you know, that really puts things in, into uh, into perspective and um you know his his uh, his tradition lives on yeah i guess his pillars are over here at the well they used to have um get togethers at the Faucher lodge in culver city but i don't know where they get together now but uh chris Manastre's lineage oh yeah not a direct charter lineage but um poke runyon and merrick hamer are running it okay and I, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews, to be mm-hmm. honest. I've I've had them both on the podcast, um, but I was contacted by someone who wanted to like let me know, you know, that there's nothing going on there. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I I like them. I you know, Polk's an old friend of my dad, and Merrick it seems cool. I, I'm sorry you had a bad experience, you know, but um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to join their order, but uh, uh-huh. they seem cool. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I've been been uh, very happy in in the HOGD. Um, you know, Chicken Tabby have been fantastic with uh, with support and being a sounding board. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know, they uh, you know they're very empowering. You know, you 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 do your thing, and um, you know they're they're not the the folks that will say, oh well, that question is above your grade level. I can't tell you that. Or yeah, you know, yeah that's it, kind of annoying. Yeah, in fact, the, the the best answer I usually get from them is, "Well, what do you think?" And then we we have a uh, a very constructive uh, discussion, and I learn stuff from them, and they're open enough to to uh, when when I say something that they hadn't thought about, we kind of build on that too. So we kind of riff off of one another. It's it's nice. very interesting. That's yeah. a really productive relationship, rather than and even you know the very first. Uh, order you would have people who who would like stand up and you know say how dare you question me i'm a six five and you're a lowly five six you know you'd have that Uh, and so i think that that you know in some ways there has been that karma kind of like rolling down downhill from 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 there but that's i i love conversations like that because i think that also the um you know from a teacher to student the student's always going to learn more when they come up with the insights themselves and the teacher, and that, of course, learns. Exactly, uh, and and I I wrote something on, on my blog, it, and this was a response to uh, one one of Nick Farrell's top tens. That's apotheosis. Yes, it's on it's on the it's on apotheosis, mm-hmm. and um, it's basically a top ten rules for both teachers and students. And I wrote it specifically so that they're basically the same rule, just uh, just flip flopped in in particular frame. So you know the best teachers out there are not going to pontificate and dictate. They can learn a whole lot from from their students just as much as students can learn from your teachers. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the best. My favorite part of 
you know, Corpus Christi was getting a bunch of people together and having great conversations, you know, and sometimes Voldemort would be able to participate in a conversation and the conversation would remain great. Other times we were supposed to sit there and take notes and kind of roll our eyes. But, you know, and then other times he wasn't there and we were having great conversations. But it's out of those conversations that a lot of my insights are born. And a lot of my insights aren't even my own. I've just collected them over the years from other people's alchemical processes. Right. And it's really interesting, too, like when you look back on, on things, because I, I met with um, with someone who was in our group uh, recently and he was like, wow, I, you know, th- this thing that you wrote was really inspired. It was all it ended up um, on. It was one of these arcane sort of diagrams that are in in the outer and where it kind of led me. So it was like, well, I don't know what this is. I really want to learn more. And as I started researching the names and stuff, it ended up it took me along this really interesting path of, of pre-Kabbalistic Jewish mysticism, which, you know, was, you know, it was really cool. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that class that you gave. I, I, I want to, I'm always trying to pick your brain about that. Cause that, that lecture you gave like blew my mind. And I was always trying to like search my memory for what was it he said about this? There was something really poignant. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you have a better memory than I do. Because <laughs> I think that it, it was one of those like weird things where, um, it's all about the, the work of around the chariot. Um, and the whole thing there was that they, um, uh, it was just, it was really, really, I think you're, you're actually pr- probably further along because a lot of what they did was this like weird, um, they did like yogic postures, although they, they, they didn't of course call it that back then. Cause they, they were, they were Jewish mystics. Um, but they would do these weird postures and meditate for really long periods of time. And their experience of, of divinity was very harsh. Like that, particularly back then, I don't know if it, if it still is with, I mean, there's the, some of the experience of life was harsh back then. It was all deserts and scorpions, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so they would reach this like briatic level or whatever uh, through this meditation. And like the, one of the people said that when they did this, this work, they, it looked like to them the way I was visualizing it from the description is that they were on like this plane um, where there was almost this like electric blue, uh, like what it looked like water to them, but maybe it was like um, it was marble. And, and he said, he asked what the angels there, Hey, like what, what is the, the nature of this uh, water? And the angel looked at him and said, this isn't water. This is marble and started like hurling iron things at this poor guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't think that, like, I mean, that experience just seems really harsh relative wow. to some of the things that I think you get out of path working or, yeah. or just it, it, like what you would normally experience. So, you know, I think that it also like to really get into it, I think you probably need to know, you know, Hebrew from that time to really get the, the maximum benefit. Wow. One one of the things I'll I'll uh, I'll build on that a little bit is you know when I am start when I'm doing uh, angelic workings you know it, it's really you, you see a lot of uh, websites out there that you know they speak the, these people channel Mikael from the Pleiades and all this fun stuff and it's all sweetness and love and you know just give me all all these huggle squeezes sometimes you need to sleep (laughs) (laughs) and one of the things that i've found 
and and I think this is really critical in not just in in angelic interactions, but also um, you know interactions with uh, spiritual people, is to not mistake light for sweetness. Right. And some of the best communications I've had from 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 uh, from an angel is a swift kick in the ass. Yeah. What one of those messages that just pisses you off but you know deep down down inside that they're a hundred percent right and you just gotta deal with it yeah yeah oreo was always like that for me i mean i i I did this huge working where it was like you know set everything up and really spent a lot a lot of time building building things up and then evoking and then it just the message was literally clean your room and it was gone (laughs) and it was like transmission over like it was literally someone hung up the phone Really, really, really. So I did Drop it. The mic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But 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 I ended up doing it, and then my my head felt clear, and I'm like, okay, so that there actually was a really constructive lesson here, and you know, but yeah, it wasn't like, oh yeah, we're gonna like skip through the the flowers and the tulips. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, you, you get you get that that uh, Oriel or or Go message, and you know you open up that portal, and then you hear then you hear the boop boop boop, <laughs> boop yeah. and here's the dump truck just about to like completely bury you on Earth. It's like get the picture, and then meanwhile on the other end of that equation, you know, sweetness and light isn't always angelic. For the example I'm thinking of is when, uh, you know, the temples were banding together and breaking away from Voldemort. And Voldemort was, like, getting his people together and saying, okay, here's the bullet points. Here's the keywords, Here's the Fox News fucking, you know, here's what we're going to always be saying is that uh, togetherness, light wants togetherness and darkness wants separation. So whenever anybody's talking to you about separation, just remember that's the devil. And if anybody's talking to you about keeping it all together, that's the light. Yeah, and 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 flipping the interactions when you start working with uh, the uh, you know the the Catholic and the, uh, uh, the 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 terrestrial um, entities and and you know and the goetics, you know yeah. you, you have you ha- you seem to have at least in my experience uh, two classifications of, of daemon. You know you got you got the ones that you know rise up and they're all sulfur and, and brimstone and ash and rawr, I'm a demon. And then you got the ones that are, you know, come in and they're, you know, all, all uh, glittery and slick. And it's like, yeah, hey, how you yeah. Do Powerpuff girls. That is totally yeah. re- right. Like, I, I totally hear you there. We, we actually worked with one of those entities. It was the first time I had worked with something out of, um, you know, more of the grimoires rather than the, the happy angelic stuff. And uh, I just remember being there and, and, uh, you know, I was on the, the speaking side of things and it was communicating through someone else. And it was kind of like this, it was so like used car salesman. It was so like, you, you don't need to hold the sword that way. Like I'm I'm your friend. It's okay. Like, you know, what do you want? Hey, 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 Joe, how you doing? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So you, you know, it's it's not just human beings that can be smarmy. You got the, uh, you know, you, you got uh, the the entities out there that can that can do the same thing. Don't fall for it. Well, it's interesting how sometimes people want, you know, like 
when I first was revealing certain things about Voldemort, I had an inadvertent side effect where I had one person who was intensely interested in knowing more and more and more and wanted to know what black magic I learned from him. And mm-hmm. I, I, in the spirit of like, kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you should know what's going on out there. But then after a while, I was like, D- you like him and want to be like him, don't you? And he's like, yes. So I was like, uh-huh. I, I got to stop. Sorry, I can't work with you. You know, like, I mean, some people come come into magic because they want to heal. And it's like, okay, then we can work with this. Some people go into magic because they want to invoke demons so they can be more smarmy and get away with more deviousness. And, uh, you know, and do it with a sword because they like the aesthetic. I get a lot of Nazis that come in and say, oh, I, I love what you do. I love your work. And Heil Hitler, you know, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, where, who are, What? <laughs> So, you know, I don't I don't mind the Satanists, but the Nazis I can't stand. (laughs) No, I just I think it's the reason I'm laughing is because they're they so don't know you like (laughs) you're like the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, they see the blonde hair and they, you know, and I don't know, they cog on something, a very limited view, very limited worldview. I think there's a lot of like cold cold northern european places where they're still up there being really really racist yeah it's interesting too like it looks like some of the um some of those things are kind of coming back like there are orders now that are i mean i think it's it, i think actually it's great for for, for just religious freedom and and for paganism because i do i do think that there should be um even though i'm i identify more as a christian um mm-hmm. i do think that that i i like plurality um in in all of its forms and you know, a lot of those, um, like the heathen kinds of, of religions in, uh, in Scandinavia are kind of coming back. And I think it's really cool. I think it's really interesting to have that come back because I yeah. think that the research that, that you have to do to reestablish something that's been gone for so long is really interesting. And I think it'll end up bringing back a lot of, I think, some of the history around that and some of the, right. the evocations. I think that, that a lot of groups will be able to learn from that, even if they don't, even if they aren't a part of that religion you know, as a member. What's kind of interesting is uh, I've been starting to make some um, uh, c- connections uh, along the, uh, the the Greek pantheon as of you know, maybe the past uh, year or so, and it, it, I've always felt a, a connection with um, with a, with Apollo just you know just a, out of a familiarity mm-hmm. scenario, even back in my teens, but. Now I've been working with uh, the Orphic Hymns and doing a, a number of uh, invocations. Um, I've been working a, a lot with uh, Hermes and Hecate, and they seem to be uh, an interesting um, psychopompic pair. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, we we have a we have mutual friend who uh, ha- has similar connections in that. You know that is not lost on me, which I find really interesting too. Now, you know who I really love? I, I love Themis so much. Oh, yeah. I, uh, like, well, there's the nymph and the, the titan. And the titan. But, yeah, she's, you know, but but I just, I've, I've always had a really strong connection. Um, I tried, I, you know, tried to think that I had one with Ma'at and it kind of didn't work as much. And okay. when I started working more with Themis, it was like mm-hmm. it, the light bulb went off and it's really cool yeah. to have, to yeah. get those kinds of connections. Yeah, for for me and Hermes, it's it. I, I've been really. Um, he's been working through me, especially in the trickster aspect. Um, I, I I've learned just recently that with with regards to communication, I'm a computer professional. 
Uh, I've been taking a shine to um, te- uh, Texas Hold'em poker lately, and I'm and I'm looking at I'm you know I'm I'm That's looking awesome. I'm, I'm looking at him just the other day, and it's like, holy shit, you've been you've been around all this time, haven't you? And I just you know, I just get that that wry grin in the corner of my mind. It's like, oh jeez, yeah, yeah, that's hysterical. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, a, a lot of my work lately has been um, uh, forming relationships, making connections, whether it be angels or archangels, and you know now uh, you know now the Greek pantheon. I have such a devotion to Hermes and Mercury that I let him dissolve organized and disorganized and any other kind of religion. I mean, some you know, to, to such a degree that people think that I'm an atheist, but it's 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 pure devotion to Hermes. <laughs> You know, and and there is that trickster element. There's the truth speaking element. There's the letting the spirit flow element, you know. Well, you know, in in some ways, like you think about um, the traditional golden dawn, a lot of portal work and a lot of the spirit work and stuff. And people get really addicted to it because it like it's tingly like that. That's the sensation for me. It's like a tingly kind of thing. Yeah. Very like spacey and open and fun. Um, And it will like fuck your life. Like if you don't yeah. like protect yourself with it. So like you kind of have to, uh, that's one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, it's in a way it's probably like cocaine where you can kind of do it recreationally, but you can get really horribly addicted. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. My experience of that was uh portal was the last like good times. And it was, uh, you know, I was, I was working alone and doing Thoth magic and working with that rosary and, uh, and then after that was five equals six, and the rest was just you know the horrors of dealing with the org. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I have no basis of comparison because for me, Portal was was the good times. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. But but like by the time you reach that, you've kind of like you have enough tools to sort of like get your feet back on the ground. And, oh right. You know, I think that yeah. if you introduced yourself to that like way early on. It would be it would be. Oh, I see. Too much. <laughs> yeah. I see. Like you wouldn't take the time to learn the lessons along the way. Well, you know, it was funny before I joined, before I was in the Golden Dawn, I had kind of been on a weird white, wider, new agey path. And the, the stuff that they did, the meditations that they did was actually now that I can look back on it would be more akin to like portal stuff without having any grounding. So it had like weird (laughs) spiritual manifestations happen and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I sh- and so I would do more of it, and more would happen. I'm like, okay, I'm shutting all this stuff down because something's not right. Like, I'm not get the results are so out of whack. And I think that you know, we talk a lot about you know, particularly in this forum, we talk a lot about the you know, the cults of you know, more established kinds of orders. But there's a lot of new agey stuff out there that's you know, really quite dangerous if you mm. really practice and you really follow through with it. I think understanding the egregore that you're working with, whatever it is, is really important. And yeah, you know, you might have these channeled people that like, or whether they're, I mean, God knows where they're from. Um, and they, they may not know like things about what it's like to be human yeah, or to need to eat. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's just really important to know what you're getting into. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where one of the uh, dangers of some of these, um, what I refer to, fly-by-night mentors come into play because they kind of do the buffet style of, uh, 
of occultism and they take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of the other thing, tie it all together, call themselves grandmaster, and then take on students. Right. And then they have these students doing all kinds of magic because, well, the 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 problem with the established orders is that they're all theory. And you have to study first before you practice. We're we're going to give you the real stuff right away. Well, yeah, just go ahead and you know and hand that knife to a child and and sh- show them where the electrical socket is, you know. Right. And I've seen a, a lot of very good, very honest, very innocent people get burned really, really bad. And that's part of the reason why I've uh, started writing the uh, the survival guide because I see a lot of these people who um, start off and with really good intentions, they just happen to fall in with the wrong person. And, uh, you know, before you know it, two, three years are gone and they're fried to a crisp and you got to kind of help them, you know, dust them off and get them, uh, get them uh, vertical again. And they may just, you know, run away from the whole thing, assuming that all of Golden Dawn or whatever organization or whatever occultism or esotericism is uh, is evil and rotten and bad and nasty. Well, and you've got those uh, in the amygdala, you got those, uh, well, what Hubbard calls, uh, I, I wasn't implanted by Scientology, so I, I'm free to use their terminology, where Golden Dawn gives me the eebie-jeebies. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we have those deep implants that, you know, the, the facsimile of, um, it's not so much that I think that all of Golden Dawn is evil. It's just that all of Golden Dawn reminds me of my experience with Golden Dawn, and right. and I am I'm, I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I mean, I I, I but I want to interview you guys because you you guys aren't as jaded on it as I am, and so I'm wondering, you know. Well, I'm on a, I'm actually on a very different path now. I'm on a specifically devotional path, and. I've kind of left a lot of that behind. I mean, I, yeah, I appreciate me the experience that I that I had, but, but our, I'm kind of done with it. But 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 our guest here, he's actively, you know. I know. So I'm, so I'm, so what's I'm what do you what are you doing? What are you getting out of it that we that we didn't? <laughs> it, it, it's funny. I, I think it was the, I think it was uh, Aaron Leach who said it when when I first first met him. He he kind of stopped me for a moment. He said, "Wait a minute. You've been you dealt with Voldemort." Then you dealt with Gargamel <laughs> and you went independent and now you're here with us and you're still doing Golden Dawn. You're nuts. <laughs> uh, I, I probably said guilty as charged at that point. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, the... I think it's great, though. Like, I think it's great that, that you've shown all that resilience to all the bad teachers that are out there, because I think it. I think it's important for really good people to be in, in that egregore um, and really help to transform it and to evolve it and to be there for sort of the next round of really good people. Because I sort of feel like I think it's a good system. And I, I do, you know, all the crap that happened over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, it, it really like you look at everything. If, if you sport it to you know sit by the sidelines, you'd be like, wow, that is such a shame. Mm-hmm. It, it really should have been better. And there should have been you know, a better school for, for people. I, I think I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, separate the people from the tradition. And, and it's because of the way I started. So now, now we're going to flash back to 1989 when I, mm. when I actually first started uh, 
working in, in ritual magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been going to college and I was uh, – I had to do a, a, a co-op internship in order to uh, complete my degree. And I was in this little little town of Corning, New York, you know, 10,000 people. I'm 20 years old. I can't go to the bars because I get arrested. They had an underage bar there. I walk in and looked at all the 13, 14-year-old jailbait and said, shit, I'm going to get arrested here quicker. So He was know, 20 I, I, at the time. It's not as Yeah, good. I was 20. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> um, I, I, I went back to my, my apartment and I thought, okay, I have to do something constructive with my time, and that's when I picked up uh, Don Craig's uh, Modern Magic mm, and started working book. through. Uh, I started working through a cover to cover. So yeah, officially, I am one of Don's kids. And if you would have known me back then, I'm a very, very different person. I, I could have been easily the poster child for social anxiety disorder. Mm. You know, the the fact that I'm actually you know, talking to you guys on the internet and this is actually going to be made public would have scared the shit out of me at that time. Um, but it, 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 is, it kind of attests to the, uh, the spiritual work I've done through the system. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did my first, um, my first lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, um, at the time. And I just sat in the middle of the circle, just trying to get a sense of, what just happened and, and I really couldn't identify it. And it took me a couple of days to do so. And when I realized that this was a kind of serenity that I was feeling both around me and inside me, I was hooked hmm. and I, I've really never looked back ever since. I mean, I've, I've taken breaks from, from my practice, um, but I've never really uh, left it behind because it gave it gave that initial spark that changed my life, and um, I, I am always feeling the need to give back. Cool. I just wonder so, if the whole thing is. So, oh, I'm sorry. What were you saying? No, go ahead. <laughs> I was. I, I mean, uh, I I practice the LBRP. Sometimes people come over. We'll do LBRP, BRH, Middle Pillar. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, watch opening by Watchtower. Sometimes we'll do some healing work. I I just wonder if. You know, it's because that for some reason doesn't bother me as much as I command you to bring forth. It, it's gosh, there's just so much sound distortion. Are you guys hearing that too? Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing it too. Is it? Do, do you hear it, Joe? No. Oh, it could be me. Oh, it um, must be Joe. okay. So I can see if <laughs> I can mute and keep going back and forth or something. Oh, that'll that'll help a bit. Okay, I'll cut this part out. But um, shoot, what was I saying? Um. You were saying that you were doing LBRPs, VRHs. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, have, I have a sanctuary here, but I don't do initiations. Um, I just wonder if, if I mean, because the, of course, the LBRP kind of came out of the Golden Dawn, from what we know. I mean, maybe it pre-existed. I don't know, but does it is does it all have to be the whole thing? Like, for, for example, there's that in the back of the things you should know about the Golden Dawn. There's, you know, only the chief adept has access to the third order when it comes to governance of the order. Like, does it, does that have to be there too? If it's going to be a traditional Golden Dawn order, and does it have to be a traditional Golden Dawn order if it's going to be the real LBRP? And if it's and if not, then why can't you use your own god names? That's four okay. questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think the you know the the rituals it's kind of it's almost like you know 
uh, Tai Chi for for the magician. You know, you yeah. you take certain poses, you do certain things, you say certain words, you do certain signs, and you connect with this egregore, this this current, this higher power that really doesn't give a shit what order you're in or what structure it has. Right. Oh, by the way, for the people who don't already know, egregore, if you look it up on Wikipedia, is a word specifically and only used within the context of the Golden Dawn, and it means groupthink. Okay, go on. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's why I have a poem called Egregore. Welcome to my groupthink. Who are you? Thank you, I suppose. For practical purposes, I am Edward. But the true answer to your question is that I am the ineffable selfhood of the Godhead expressing itself in one particular way, simultaneous with every other way I am currently expressing myself. You are arrogant. Sometimes, yes. Other times, humble. Anyhow, who are you? I am your higher self, mortal. Interesting. So is is that part of your, what did you call it, groupthink? You are the lower self, like a lifeless stone brought before me, and you must kneel before me and pledge eternal loyalty to me, then take my hand, and only then can you and your higher self be reunited. You see a lot of people out there saying, well, the LBRP is wrong, and it should be this, or I don't like the LBRB, LBRP because it... It uh, invokes the uh, the angry Jew god, and I'm going to change the names to do this, or nice I want it to be, god. yeah, I, I I want it to be Greek or Egyptian or Nordic or or what have you. Um, my my advice is you got to know the system before you make changes to it. Yeah, and I really um, agree with that. You know, I I I think that there was a group that was in that um, changed literally every single thing about the Golden Dawn, and particularly a lot of the the um, initiation and advancement rituals. And you're looking at these symbols like I get that you want to change things because like you're because Christianity hurt you. But just because Christianity hurt you doesn't mean you have to, like, change every single symbol because it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, One of the selling points, I I should call it, um, with with Gargamel's order at one point was, well, all the second order material has already been published, so let's just push it out to the outer order, Mm -hmm. and we're going to create our new, fascinating, thrilling second order curriculum. I remember that. Yeah. What I've found from my from my own practice is that context is not just key it's pretty much everything when it comes to uh the golden dawn and 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 we we do this a lot even with astrology you know you have you know for example you have the planet mars and it is energy and war and aggression but mars in libra is going to be that drive for justice mars in uh, Scorpio is going to have a particularly different vibration. Mars and Pisces are different. Not to mention the Roman god Mars, which even at the time was associated with the planet prior to syncretization with Aries, was a farming god. Exactly. So, and so goes with the Golden Dawn. Um, there is a reason why Osiris is the Hierophant on the dais, but as soon as he descends to the floor, he's Arwaris. It is because 
you have different frames of references in, in different contexts. The inner order is a Rosicrucian impulse. The outer order is a hermetic impulse. Hmm. And uh, it is, you know, is literally like walking, walking through a veil. You know, you, you see it through a particular lens on one side and a different lens on another. It is the same entity. It's, it's like the, uh, it's like the Rose Cross. You have the, uh, the, the Laman of the, of the Hierophant, which is just a cross and circle. Well, that is the Rose Cross in the outer order. Once you get to the inner order and you get in, you get initiated in the vault and you become Hodos Chameleonis and you get introduced to the, to the entire spectrum of colors, whereas before it was all black and white on the floor. Now you get introduced to the full rose cross with the three, seven, and 12 colors of the rainbow on the rose and so forth and so on. You have the full panoply of colors there. It's right. the same with symbol. With the training to know the symbols too. Exactly. So it, it, it's, it's all about frameworks and context, even though it's the same symbol. Just like, in, just like in astrology, it may be the same planet, but what sign is it in? Right. Well, you know, and I love that idea because the, 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 if you push down things like Enochian to say, well, you know, everyone knows Enochian. And you can buy a book off the shelf and, and you know, the Shulers have like a zillion different books out there. Right. It's like that's really like that to do that to a student is like a huge responsibility. And, you know, you would have people do things that, OK, like further along, like you might have. I remember um uh, in practicus, uh, another practicus and I were kind of like goofing off in front of the air tablet and we, um, extracted the, the air King and we just started hysterically laughing and it was really fun, but like, and then our teacher got pissed off at us and banished everything. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but even like something like that, yeah, we kind of got in a little bit of trouble, but on the other hand, um, to push that down to like a zero zero where you, you just don't, don't even have a framework of dealing with, with that particular element is really kind of dangerous. I think it is. Well, um, the, the, the couple things that I have been working on, mm -hmm. um, with regards to, um, uh, with, with regards to writing, you know, I have published a, a few things, you know, an article here and there, whether it be hermetic virtues or the hermetic tablet. Um, I've, I've got a, an article out, um, that is waiting to be um, uh, put together in, I think it's called the Book of Rituals. I don't remember who it's being published by. Nice. Um, but I, I did, I did an in-depth analysis, at, but but a, a different point of view on the um, universal hexagram. Hmm. Uh, the theory I have is, um, it, it it is. Uh, it is technically and, and geometrically between a perfect pentagram and a perfect hexagram. So it, it is, it is the uh, quintessential and the pun is intended um, <laughs> symbol that would uh, be placed in the portal. Hmm. And um, ju just as a perfect hexagram is the interlacing of two triangles, if you take a look at the universal hexagram, it is technically the interlacing of two arrowheads. So placing it on the path of Sonic, cool. which, is associated with, which is associated with Sagittarius, mm. is pretty much perfect. Now, um, f 
just to expound a little bit on the symbolism, the way that it's already explained in the portal initiation is that it starts with a circle referring to zero, and then the point is one, and then that results in a two-dimensional line, and then a second line making three dimensions, Mm -hmm. and then, or maybe the third line makes three dimensions or something like that. But in the end, there's there's four elements, but it implies the fifth element, which is spirit, and then that goes, that kind of unfolds out into the hexagram. Right. And it is, it is that, pro, it is uh, the universal hexagram, which is that intermediary step of, the, of that unfolding. Between, between a pentagram the, and a hexagram. That's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. So. I was thinking it might be interesting, and one thing that we haven't really done yet on the podcast is since we have three trained Golden Dawn practitioners, do you guys maybe want to do a little bit of analysis of something that uh, might be like something on the mind of a beginner, like the zero equals zero initiation? Sure. I mean, there's, of course, the Z-Docs, so it's like we're not reinventing the Z-Docs. Right, but we might might refer to them. And now the Z docs is uh, for those who don't know. That's something that hierophants learn in order to properly perform the ceremony. But what you're seeing when you go through the ceremony is kind of the surface appearance, and even the symbols that are explained to you aren't necessarily what the symbols mean. What two interesting tidbits that that, I, that are just coming to mind? I mean, mm-hmm. one the one thing that that always that I loved, and I don't think I got this until pretty deep into five six was that you know you actually have the vault of the adepti available like it's it's there present in the zero zero because of the the, invis- the invisible station of Ator, which implies right. venus so that's the venus door so right it's like it's there for you it's like all you know if you were really a clever you know zero zero and could do extra dimensional things you could kind of like <laughs> just like make a run for it <laughs> yeah just go beyond the hierophant and at the same time it's it's like maybe in an octave sense expressed on a lower level where instead of having the 49 petaled rose of salvation beneath your feet to protect you from hell you have the red-handled sword of you know and the uh the the Hyrus standing in the westernmost point of the temple, who, while he seems like a harsh figure, you but you learn by the end of the ceremony that he's doing it out of love, that he's serving the Hierophant, just like the rose beneath the feet serves the point at the center of the rose above the head in the vault. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I noticed is um, we're, we're probably all familiar with uh, you know the the big black brick and the. Uh, the arrangement of the officers when the candidate is uh, taking the oath and when 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 the he's being, yeah mm-hmm. when he's brought brought to light and we're always told that it's an error hexagram. I look at it differently in, uh, as a greater hexagram where you would have um, the 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 hieroglyphs in the north representing Gabura and. Um, the hegemon on the south side being Chesed, and then you have um, the Stolices and the Dukos being um, Chod and Netzach, respectively, the mm-hmm. bases of the pillars. You have um, you have uh, the Kerex representing, in this case, the moon being the herald of the sun, and the Hierophant is coming down as Saturn, the initiator, representing the full supernals. And where is this candidate but kneeling at at the uh, the base of Tiferet, so yeah. you have you have this neophyte 
kneeling symbolically in Tiferet, showing the 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 uh, the reflection of the higher aspirations of the inner order. I had never actually heard that it was an air hexagram. The, the what you just described was always the way that I thought of it. Okay, and even in the uh, in the Zelator, there's an interesting thing where the you know the hexagram shifts and turns toward the north. I, I, and it stays the same, doesn't it? I, I think it stays the same. Um, but the the way I look at I look at the the Zeltor ritual as kind of part two of of the neophyte, right? Becomes, yeah, that's true. Uh, because you, you never really pass through the pillars until you get to 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 the Zeltor grade. Yeah, and you have you have the 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 neophyte grade where you're purified and consecrated four times, which would which I think of as the um, uh, the tree of life when you expand it into a sphere the the four peripheral pillars and then when you get into the the one ten the 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 purification and consecration there is the sealing of the fifth of middle pillar so now you can actually step onto the tree I love that now Mark you probably have more um, knowledge of this which is uh, you know I, I'd always kind of heard a rumor that. Um, that in, in some earlier uh, rituals, and I don't know if it was more on the Rosicrucian side or um, any sort of more ancient, you know, you know, older Golden Dawn kind of order, that the deus officers actually, there really was a physical veil. There was actually like a curtain, and it, the outer couldn't see beyond that curtain. Um, I, think that's a, I think that's urban legend. Um, I, I don't know e- either either way. Um, really, when when you uh, when you look at the at the diagrams of of the manuscripts, the veil is always behind the dais, and it's because the um, the dais officers are situated on the on the the lower side of the veil, but they are still represent the the powers of the higher portions of the tree. Then I will agree that that's definitive urban legend because if anyone would know, you would. <laughs> I've seen it done a couple times where they put a veil, uh, but you can still see them. They're just these ghostly figures behind the veil, and they're in there sweating because the light's shining on them for effect, and they're in those heavy robes. And by they, I mean we. <laughs> yeah, and I got to tell you, it wouldn't. It, it actually, in thinking about it, it wouldn't be practical because I mean, in in the dais position, you still need to. Um, direct energy. Yeah. So, you know, if you can't see, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Unless you're super special. You can see, but through a veil. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a lot that the deus officers are uh, doing on higher planes in the, in the temple. So yeah, Yeah. sight is helpful. (laughs) Especially when it's a new hierophant who's focusing mostly on trying to get the words right. And, you know, you have more seasoned hierophants, you know, that can visualize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes astrally travel back in time and erase something and fix it <laughs> with the breath of thought. There you go. So, I mean, I uh, one one thing that the neophyte assumes that the person coming in is dead matter, which kind of when you find you don't find that out until seven grades later. And you're like, wait, mm-hmm. so everybody was thinking of me as dead matter when I came in? And it's like, well, yeah, that's the formula. So I don't know. Do you have any comments about that? What, what about when you initiate someone who's already a glowing ascended master in their own making, you know, on a different path and they decide they want to go through a neophyte? Well, I, 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 
hesitate to, you know, uh, strictly call it, uh, you know, like, you know, dead meat. Um, well, like, like in the talisman consecration, it's just a piece of wood at the beginning. Right. Um, uh, again, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's about frameworks, you know, how, you know, how is it, how is their, um, how is, how are their pillars and their astral body constructed, you know, in the framework of, of the, uh, of the golden dawn mm-hmm. and the, of the ritual at hand. I've, I've seen, uh, you know, I, I've sensed a, a number of, um, people come through who are, you know, just, they're just right fine. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. all I do is kind of polish things up. There, there are some who are completely shattered and, and require yeah. uh, more, uh, rebuilding. Right. And, most people are in between, and I, w- I will also say that their their condition coming into the temple is no indication on whether they stay or whether they go. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's kind of the funny thing about you know you start talking about n- the nature of initiation. You know, uh, is physical initiation the only way to fly? You know, what about astral initiation? What about self initiation? And, you know, it's, it's a matter of degrees and, and, and probabilities in, in, in my opinion. As a pun there in degrees. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have, I have met a number of self-initiates who I would say have made that connection and are, you know, le- legitimately, um, you know, Golden Dawn partic- yeah. practitioners. I've, I have initiated people who come in and the whole room is dead air and they, you know, they're, and they're one and done. Hmm. And it, they're, you know, it doesn't matter if I've been, you know, practicing this or been initiating for 10, 20, 30 years, it wasn't going to make a lick of difference because that the, the, the candidate wasn't ready. And, um, you know the the forty two assessors said nuh-uh. Hmm. Interesting. It's- yeah, you know, and I think it's really harsh though. Like, I think I think for DS officers, I think it's really important to switch them out because I remember doing two stints. Um, one is Cancellarius and one is Premonstrator, uh, and it was so weird being like th- having those two at at very different times. I remember, you know, as Cancellarius just being like, as the candidates go by, you're like, nope. Nope, yeah, <laughs> ain't gonna work. No way. But on the other hand, like ISIS being like, "Oh, yum! I'm gonna hug you now. Here, you know, here's a cookie." It was so different and so weird. That's funny. I can't imagine though being in a cancellarious role for more than six months. Mm. That would be hell. Yeah, I did six years. You know, and and as as disconcerting as as that notion is that. You know, you could you could be a uh, well-trained hierophant and just you know be all thumbs when it comes to certain people. What the I think the real lesson there is it's not about you. Right. It's about the the powers that you're representing, what you're bringing down from the higher planes, and what is what is happening through you, not because of you. Right. Yeah, and you know it's interesting that that point because I I actually left um, Voldemort's order as hierophant because I actually could see, um, you know, when you're you're initiating and you're just sort of like I, I remember being in the seat. It was the week that I left, and I was like, I didn't want to go through with it. I really didn't want to. I didn't want to do it, and I. Like I forced myself to do it, like to get through it because we were in the middle. 
Yeah. Um, and it's like, you got to go through with it. But I was just like, I wanted to just scream, like stand up and scream at the candidates run. Please. Yeah. You know, um, how, how, yeah. how funny that, that, you know, you had that experience, you know, as Hierophant and, and, and as, as initiator in, uh, you know, in, in, in Voldemort's order, I had that experience as, as Thoth and Cancellarius in, in Gargamel's order. Hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, again, it kind of kind of goes to show you. Uh, and uh, another thing is that it seems like the the egregore, the current kind of is kind of self cleaning. It takes care of itself. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I, yeah, I think I think that's sometimes right. it takes a long time. Like if you've got a really 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 gross thing implanted right at the middle of the order, it'll take it mm, twenty years. Did it take 20 years? Yeah, no, it took 20, yeah, about 22 years yeah. before it finally, the order itself will purge the one who created it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. And that that's In my experience, why, anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's also why when you, ex- when you get involved with groups that you have uh, a head that does a lot of expulsions you know what that what that tells me is that it's you know it's not the um it's not the spiritual current that's actually flowing through the organization it's it's the head of being a control freak yeah yeah and i've seen that too so yeah i I knew i knew of one order in particular this i i don't there she's out of business now but um, she uh, she actually had in order to be to to be Zelder, um, you would have to mow her lawn, um, which I think is really. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Voldemort you know, waited till you were in Portal for that kind of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> God. But she had lineage, so you know, there you go. Wow. It's, it must be worth it somewhere. <laughs> I wonder what it feels like to have lineage. Is it like? I bet it feels like super awesome like, because like you're because like you're just everything's like saying you're so awesome. So yeah. you must feel totally awesome about yourself when you wake up. And I'm sure all the angels are like, "Yeah, you know, you're awesome. You've Love you. Lineage. You've got the power. Yeah, <laughs> you've been anointed." <laughs> well, is there anything yeah. you want to go over before we start to wrap up? Um, well, let's see, I, I was mentioning some of the other things I was, oh, right, uh, right, right. I was writing, um, obviously, well, I'll get back to the survival guide in, in just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. before I, before I started writing the survival guide, I was doing a lot of research on, on the, uh, on the vault, you know, mm-hmm. more, more specifically the vault as laid out and specified in the Fama Fraternitatis from 1614. Right. So. Um, I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of research on that and coming to a number of conclusions. Um, uh, if, if you've been on, uh, Sam Robinson's, uh, Facebook group, you know, he's, he's been talking a lot about the, uh, you know, uh, the Heartlib group and the Heartlib circle rather with Tobias Hess and, uh, Johan Valentin Andrea and how they kind of you know cobbled everything together. I, I think he's he's on the right track there. Um, there are some things uh, with regards to the architecture of the vault that I figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we've been told in, in the Golden Dawn that each wall, you know, you have seven walls of the vault and they're five feet wide by eight feet tall and there are 10 squares on it. But in our vault, isn't it 40 it, squares? It's forty squares because yeah, you, ours, yeah, 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 because you can't, oh, you can't, you can't fit, you know, ten squares on a five by eight surface. Huh. But I figured a way of how uh, how to do it. How is that? Um, it has to do with sacred geometry, oh, okay. and uh, I'll, I'll I actually gave a pre- presentation at uh, the Western Mystery Conference back in two thousand seven or two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and. Um, I presented it there. The 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 uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple clues. It has to do with sacred geometry, the golden ratio, and the fact that the squares are not all the same size. Hmm. Ah, very cool. Right. And if if you do it the the way I the way I do it, it is accurate to a, a, a um, margin of error of about one inch. Hmm. So, well, let's see. You could do one big five foot by five foot one, and that'd leave three feet by five feet to stick the other nine in. Oh, right. I, I'd give up. <laughs> no, yeah. that's really cool. So, where's your article going to be published? I'd love to read it. Um, I, I don't. I was originally working with Don Craig to get it uh, published by Llewellyn, but as you, as you well know, he has passed beyond the veil as well, and it's given me a, a chance to. Um, Relook at that and uh, spruce up some ideas because uh, I'd like to actually make a um, a magical system out out of the uh, out of the entire concept. Um, it's, well, if you want uh, if you want some free editing, happy to edit for you. Okay, cool. thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I've I haven't been doing a lot of writing lately, just because you know life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Yeah. And uh, the, the the last couple of years have been um, a bit of a bit of a rocky road in in certain circles, uh, not the magical one. I have to say, um, so I'm continuing to work on that. Um, I'm, I'm also continuing to work on this uh, esoteric order survival guide because, you know, like I said, I've met so many good people who got you know who got broken basically because of. Um, Finding the wrong person at the at the wrong time, and um, you know, I, I want to have I want to avoid that for you know for other people who are just coming in with bright eyes, bushy tails, a lot of innocence, and I, I, do, I don't you know if if there's one one less damaged person because of some of the things I write, then uh, I, I feel that it's worth it. Makes me think of the beginning of Mulholland Drive. <laughs> she comes in all bright eyed. There's like neon palm trees. Meanwhile, there's people in limos getting. Well, anyway. <laughs> and of course, then there's the end of that movie. <laughs> Which part was the end? Was that, was that the one in the middle? Well, she, of course, you'll probably have to edit this out, but she, yeah, the spoiler alert is that she kills her girlfriend um, and then goes insane and kills herself. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. Yeah. And it's it's the happy girl. Like she's not so happy in real life. I'm gonna the have to thing, rewatch that now. Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing is actually a dream. In like, the blue box. The whole thing is a dream. Except the very end where she goes insane and kills herself. There there's that one part with the uh silencio. 
which ins- inspired me to yeah. change my Latin into sort of a Vulgate that resembles uh, Italian, but I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> speaking speaking of mottos, that that is one of the things I I actually recommend for those uh, folks who are who have been broken and they're trying to uh, pick themselves up and 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 start fresh. Um, I wrote uh, I wrote a ceremony, which is basically a motto changing ritual, and and the the idea behind um, I think the Hebrew for it is uh, Shinui Hashem. It's basically when you change your name, you change your destiny. Mm. And um, I've actually been through about half a dozen outer order mottos. You know, you you guys remember me as Propugna Terregnum. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I, I took on uh, in Lucas Veritatis after after that, and um, I have a, I have a different one in in uh, in uh, HOGD now. Um, my inner order motto has always been uh, the same, though, and uh, I I don't anticipate that uh, uh, changing pretty much ever. Right. You know what I did I, when when I joined um, OSOGD the 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 motto that I chose. Um, I chose RD for a very specific reason. So I had that as a framework. Like I want my, my motto to be RD. Um, and then instead of Paraclinus to Faustus, cause I kind of felt like, like that, like I was reclaimed, like I got grace to try it all again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually, I'm not going to say the motto name, but it was like reclaimed from the damned. Nice. It was kind of fun yeah. to have Dem- Demnoticus. <laughs> my, my motto that was kind of fun that's cool well thank you so much for joining us on the esoteric nerd podcast i mean we're in um we're in the same we have the same purpose really to you know with that uh survival guide i i intend for this podcast to be a survival guide that people who maybe would have blindly gone into one of these orders you know, we'll maybe listen to this podcast, maybe binge listen to all the episodes first and get some real information out of it. Absolutely. And I, I, I am very uh, honored to be uh, be a part of this. I will be flying my esoteric nerd flag high for a long time. <laughs> very honored, pun intended. Huh? Huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're all very honored. Oh, it's great to catch up with you, too. Like, I haven't heard your voice in ages. Likewise, Joe. I mean, we we have been through the ringer together. All three of us are yeah. survivors, and um, in in doing so, you know, we uh, you know we continue to walk the path and show people that yes, there there is uh, there is life after damage. And hey, see this scar, and uh, you know, we uh, you know we're, we're we end up being the better for it. You know, I do not regret my time in uh, in Voldemort's group. I do not regret <laughs> my time in Gargamel's group. Um, I don't re- don't regret uh, running my own order, and I certainly don't regret any time in uh, in Chicken Tabbies. Um, and uh, you know, continually we uh, we march on. Do you guys remember the time that Jorge Hevia got so upset because I was playing the audio clip from my dad about how inspiring it was when the Soviet Union got started? Don't get hung up if you can't reach more than five students a year. This is for teachers. This is for teachers. If you reach one a year, you've done something. Now, the point that I would make, and it's something that I it was pointed out to me, we were studying Russian history, the old, we were studying the Soviet Union and how Lenin, Lenin, got this thing organized. And a guy who was uh, leading the group uh, was quite inspired, and he asked us, 
Uh, how many people founded the Soviet Union? People would say, well, it must have been 15,000. There must have been 700. Definitely had to be 750,000 people. He says, no. The 25 people in the Petrograd Soviet inspired everybody else, and they worked in a block system and got it done. And I said, wow. If I can reach 25 people in five years, I have moved mountains. If I can reach one person who can reach 25 in 10 years, I've moved mountains. And I think that a lot of new teachers need to realize that. <laughs> and he's I like from that. Cuba. This was in LMS days. It was like one of those Tuesday meetings where everybody was in uh-huh. high risk god form at their computers, and uh, and I was giving these rousing speeches about how we were the first noospheric knighthood in hermetic history and shit like that. When I was totally insane and making you guys insane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those were the days. I, I remember one particular time, Ed, where where we kind of butted heads over the uh, the the Knights of Michael. Oh. And uh, oh God, the watermelon, the Knights of the Watermelon. Oh God, <laughs> I wasn't even at the ritual. I got all this flack because someone on the internet said that I was leading the ritual, but of course it was TDL, and I was off with Scarlet Magdalene at the time. But I'm gonna leave it at the that. Knights of the Black Watermelon. <laughs> she doesn't remember that yeah. ritual, and neither do I. Joe, were you? She doesn't remember. No, we weren't I, I, there. We were we were playing hooky. We were having Greek food. Oh, there you go. That's that, Thank God. yeah, that was better. Yeah, I, I seem to remember <laughs> you, Joe, being the one with the mop. <laughs> I, uh, the, the mop. Wait, wait. Oh yeah. <laughs> you poor bastard. <laughs> no, I would probably be like, mm, what the, the stuff inside the black watermelon so tasty. Mm. <laughs> nom 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 nom. <laughs> they they were really good times, and I I am I am uh, so happy to have gotten to meet such meet you. you know gr- some great folks. And even though even though we we had experiences with with folks where you know the 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 group was just not right in the head, you know, in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, you know, got to meet so many good people, and uh, it's so great to reconnect with you guys. I agree. I'm glad that we're connected, and I hope that uh, I hope to have you back on the podcast. We should definitely do this uh, again. You know, it, it whether it be uh, just a general chit chat. You guys do fantastic when it comes to riffing. Mm-hmm. Whether we want to do uh, you know something topic based, that's yeah. awesome. Too. Hey, if anybody out there has a topic you'd like for the three of us to talk about, you know, feel free to throw it out, and uh, we'll we'll put it on the list. Super. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again, and uh, have have a really good night. All right, See you take care, folks. You too. Bye bye. Thank you, Eric, for being our guest on the Esoterra Nerd podcast tonight. Thank you to Brian Dahl and Susumu Ueda, as well as Monty Python and Nine Inch Nails for providing the music today. Speaking of music, as promised, I have the little song I put together yesterday based on a speech given by Bernie Sanders two days ago in Wisconsin. I keep all my esoteric nerding here on this website, but if you're interested in some of my artistic stuff, check out Gwydion's Astral Podcast. 
That's edward-reeve.com forward slash G-W-Y-D-I-O-N-S hyphen podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night. It has been projected by, I think, all of our networks that we won in Wisconsin.
We can do better. 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 We can do better.